The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What a wild Wednesday it was in fantasy baseball. We had aces all across the league on the mound. We had pitching prospects. We also had the Tigers advance to 4-2. and two. Joe Jimenez has saved each of those games. He leads the league in saves. Jacoby Jones hit another home run and is tied for the league lead with three homers. The Detroit Tigers, gentlemen, welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on a Thursday, July 30th. Frank Stample, alongside Scott White and Chris Towers. Guys, it's 2020. I basically learned to expect the unexpected. Go Tigers! Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all know how this story ends, don't we? They lose every game for the rest of the season? No, the Braves no. are going to trade for uh, Joe, Joe Jimenez. Because <laughs> this is exactly what happened last year. Shane Green led the league in, in saves, I think, through like the end of May. Yeah. Had like, I want to say he had like 20 saves through the first two months of the season or something wild. End of May is the end of the season this year. <laughs> so that, that, would be, that would be interesting. Um, I'm yeah, not tigers expecting aren't good. that to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not either. However, I, at, at, as much closer insecurity as we've seen here in the early going, it is... It is probably comforting to know that Jimenez is getting the ball in the ninth every time there is a safe chance for the Tigers. So I, you know, I don't know that he's that good because I, I think he's struck out like two total, but you know, he has the job and that, that says a lot. Yeah. That's half the battle when it comes to fantasy baseball for some of these closers. And honestly, whenever the Tigers win games, it's probably not going to be by a lot of runs, which should help the case for Joe Jimenez. We'll get back into the Tigers a little bit later on. Today on the show, we're going to jump all around. We've got pitching prospects galore. Uh, we're going to do a fantasy potpourri. It's all over. The I got aces. We got batted ball data for uh, hitters, some early data to talk about, and your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Guys, let's start off with some of these pitching prospects because Nate Pearson made his debut today. Looked Quite good. Five innings pitched, two hits, two walks, five strikeouts. Christian Javier was on the mound for the Astros. Also looked great. Jesus Lazardo in relief. Kind of fell apart his final inning there that he was pitching, but for the most part, also looked very good. And then we had Dustin May, Justin Dunn, who like about an hour ago I found out was making his major league debut. We could talk about that. And Zach Plesak, no. who's not well, his really... his 2020 debut, not his major 20, league he debut. He made 2020 debut. starts, I think, last year. Yeah, uh, Zach Plesak who is not really a prospect, but he's 25 years old, so we'll throw him in the mix. Uh, Scott, who do you want to start off with? Where do you want to start? 
Um, I assume it's with Nate Pearson. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, though, Nate Pearson kind of just just did what I think everybody was hoping he'd do. I, I guess I was a little surprised he got to go five innings his his first time through, guy making his major league de- debut in a year where we've seen a lot of pitchers get pulled pretty early from their first start. So that was that was good. He threw 75 pitches, 14 swinging strikes on them, as you mentioned, only allowed two hits. I mean, he was as advertised. No, I don't even think his fastball was at the best it could possibly be, too. He hit 98 a few times at average 96. I think the, I, I don't think that was even his best fastball necessarily. So, no. I, I mean, it's, it's obvious he's somebody you need to roster. And I think, he, I, th- I think he got kind of upstaged today, frankly, because it was a crazy yeah. day for pitching. It was just one jaw-dropping line after another. And his looks pretty pretty tame compared to some of them. Yeah, and this is a bit of a... What do you got, Chris? I will say on Nate Pearson, you know, this is something we saw in his last tune-up start, and it's something we saw this time. Very inconsistent with his fastball velocity. Um, You know, if you look at the the pitch by pitch, he'll go from like 98, 96, 95, 96, 94. It is weird to see a pitcher that inconsistent with the fastball, but obviously, you know, when you're touching 98, 99, um, you know, it shows you what the upside is. And there was talk of some uh, mechanical adjustments he needed to make after his final tune-up start. Um, Clearly, he put in a lot of work to prove that he was major league ready in that time. Uh, But there's still some – it, it's just it, it looks like there's still some work to be done, but the fact that he was this effective, uh, even against a Nationals lineup that I think we can just fairly say is not good after the first two hitters. <laughs> well, they're, they're going to get Soto back here soon. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. Right now. I mean, like, yeah. It's yeah. going to get Nobody better. Nobody outside um, of the top two has an OPS above 800 except for Victor Robles, who's batting ninth and went over four with three strikeouts today. Yeah, it's it, it it's interesting that you cite the inconsistency of Nate Pearson's fastball because that's kind of the defining characteristic for the other guy who made his first major league start today, Christian Javier. Mm-hmm. If we're ready to pivot to him, yeah, sure. I mean, um, look, let's he was just very impressive. Hit all of these prospects. He was great. Five and two thirds innings pitched, one earned run, and to me, Scott, the biggest takeaway is not just the eight strikeouts against a great Dodgers lineup. Entering this start, they had the lowest strikeout percentage in baseball. They were striking out around 14% of the time as a team. He struck out eight Dodgers in his debut. One walk. That was the biggest takeaway for Javier for me, Scott, because we spoke about him yesterday, and we mentioned the walk rate has been an issue for him. Just one walk in his debut. He immediately becomes the most interesting pitcher in baseball. How's that for a hot take? He He was good enough that you know he's going to keep getting chances and you know he's going to get like legitimate starter chances, not not yeah. this three and two-thirds inning thing we keep seeing for Dustin May. Um, and like he, he's just he, – he was such an interesting prospect because like nobody outperformed him in the minors. Yeah, the numbers last. last year, 170 strikeouts in what, 115 innings? Yeah. Uh, 113, yeah. yeah. Uh, 174 ERA, 0.97 whip. Now, he did walk a lot of guys. His walk rate was actually higher than his hit rate. He was just unhittable. <laughs> and yet – if you watch the game, if you just look at the StatCast data, like 
the stuff doesn't really jump out at you. He had 10 swinging strikes, I think, on to, to get those eight strikeouts. It's yeah. not it's not a bad rate, it but it's is, not. Yeah. And like, it, it's that, it's the, like he, he hides the ball really well. He varies his fastball so that it functions more like three pitches than one. He has like a, like a show me breaking ball and changeup, but they're not really, they're not really the sort of pitches that would elevate a player's prospect stock. He's, he's just, it's just a really weird profile. I said on the show yesterday, it kind of reminds me of Freddie Peralta, but, and, and I think Freddie Peralta had like a really impressive debut too, after putting up some great minor league numbers. So like, this is not an open and shut case with Christian Javier. I don't see how you look at those minor league numbers last year. Look at his starting debut here, particularly pitching for the Astros, all the success they have with pitchers and, and like say no thanks. But I, I just don't know where it's going to go from here. I, I could see it being a gimmick and it falling apart with increased exposure. Or I could see him being just a total stud. Well, the I, one thing I, I will point out in the Freddie Peralta comp specifically, Javier did throw 35 pitches that weren't fastballs mm-hmm. and tonight, and that might be more than Freddie Peralta's thrown as an entire major league. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. So that's the, well, although Peralta did develop a slider this offseason, so we'll we'll see what happens with him. He yeah. wasn't very good in his first start, though. Freddie Peralta has typically been like 75, 80% yeah. fastball usage, and tonight 47 of Javier's 82 pitches were fastballs. He doesn't throw terribly hard, like 92, 93 miles per hour. He maxed out at 95 a few times in that game. Uh, guys, email of the day. I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. This one comes from Frank in Queens. Would you guys drop one of... Brady Singer, Corbin Burns, Nathan Avaldi, or Adrian Hauser for Christian Javier. I got to look at those names again. Singer, Burns, Avaldi, Hauser. Avaldi would be an easy call for me. Uh, I, I, I'd debate on the other three. A debate. There'd, there'd be a little bit of a debate. I like the upside of them a lot more, but I'd, I'd drop Avaldi for him. I think Frank and I both like Avaldi quite a bit more than Scott. So I, I think it's probably a similar mixture of upside and, and certainty. Not a lot of certainty with either of them. Decent upside with both. Well, since he pitched tonight, Avaldi, you know, he was okay. Eight hits in five innings, only two earned runs. Not a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of swings and misses. Basically the story of his entire career. <laughs> What hope I had for him coming in was supposedly he developed this new breaking ball. Hasn't really shown it much the first couple starts. You can count on one hand or it's a single digit number, the number of times he's thrown it. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything different for, here for Evaldi. If there is something different, it's worth pointing out, but I'm not seeing it. All right, Scott. Just, so you would drop Evaldi for Javier and yeah, Chris. I think that's reasonable. You would do the I, same. Uh, Chris, how much fab would you spend on Christian Javier if he's available in your league? Uh, I've got to assume Zach Plezak is available in, in quite a few leagues, and he would be the guy. I mean, we haven't talked about his start yet specifically, but yeah. he was the guy today who looks like the must-add. Well, what uh, if I pitcher. told you, Chris, that Christian Javier is 17% rostered on CBS Sports? And he is RP eligible, right? And Zach Plezak is 58% owned. Which, yeah, this happened to me yesterday. I wrote surprising. the waiver wire column uh, for Wednesday morning, and I wrote it Tuesday night after Aaron Savale's incredible start. And I wrote like 400 words on Aaron Savale and then went to his 
player page and realized he was 80% rostered in cbssports.com leagues. So yeah, I had to delete a lot of stuff and pivot to writing about Christian. Well, Javier. So I guess that worked out. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, if please available, he's the priority. I, know, I, I think he might be the priority for all ads this week right now. I, you know, if, if Nate Pearson's available, I go Pearson over. Playshock. I don't know if you were counting. Sure. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's probably but, fair. But otherwise, I mean, that it, it's, it's kind of what I said about Javier. I don't know how you look at the line Plesak had today, eight innings, three hits, no walks, 11 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on his 98 Oof. pitches. The slider and changeup were both yeah. amazing. I don't know where this came from because he had a 9.5 swinging strike rate as a rookie last year. Uh, you know, didn't, didn't miss many bats. This that, is that, what the, the, this is what the Indians do, man. It, it yeah. certainly seems that way. Now it's worth mentioning. Police act did have before getting called up in 10 minor league starts. He had a 170 ERA 0.8 whip. Still not like crazy bat missing ability down there. Yeah. It was better than in the majors. Um, but yeah, I mean him and Savale, on back-to-back days, pulling the swinging strike trick. I don't know how much of it is the Indians' ability to develop pitchers, which is sterling. I, I mean, they probably have a better track record with that than even like the Astros and Rays, as much credit yeah. as we give those two organizations. The Indians might be the best of all of them at this. Certainly um, when it comes to developing their guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, all of them. Like, Kluber wasn't supposed to be as no. big of a deal as he is. Clevenger wasn't. Bieber wasn't. Carrasco, who actually came up in the Phillies organization, they kind of fixed him. They kind of fixed Trevor Bauer. I mean, ironically, Bauer, the guy who does the most work on his own and kind of bristled at some of the stuff that the Indians suggested to him very publicly, uh, probably their least successful when you consider the expectations and what he actually yeah. produced. Surprise, so, surprise. Trevor Bauer thinks he knows more than everybody else. <laughs> pretty good in his first start. Can't deny that. I mean, so just yeah. to just to finish the thought on on Plesak, um, like I, I don't know what this means yet. I don't know how much of that is the White Sox lineup and them having a lot of swing and miss guys in there. Yeah, but but both. it's 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 such an overwhelmingly good stat line that even though I'm not really a Plesak guy, there's not enough evidence of this for me to fully buy into it. You just have to pick him up and see where it goes. You just have to. The last thing I'll add on Plesak was that he threw 32 sliders uh, in Wednesday night's start against the White Sox. And last year, he threw that pitch just 19% of the time. So 32 of his 98 pitches uh, could be an improved pitch for him. I think we just have to wait. And see. You should go out there and add him, but I don't want to overreact too much because now this is three starts in a row with Savale. Adam Plutko had 17 swinging strikes against the White Sox yesterday, and then Plesak yeah. had 20 tonight. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Chris, just rank Pearson, Javier, Dustin May, who was three and a third innings pitched, one earned run, three strikeouts, more like Dustin Meh. Uh, Pearson, Javier, May, and Plesak. How would you rank those four? Uh, it's interesting for as much as we raved about Dustin Pearson in his debut last week. Dustin May. Dustin, Dustin May. May, sorry. I, I think I'd go Pearson, Plesak, Javier, May. I like that order. I'm with you. 
Uh, Jesus Lazardo, the last prospect that I want to mention. I was worried that this might turn out to be a lost season. I clearly was overreacting. He had 16 swinging strikes in relief today on 67 pitches against the Colorado Rockies. Scott, it sounds like, it looks like, the next time through the rotation, he will likely be in the rotation. That's Lazardo. Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. In 67 pitches, that's 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 decent. That's that's pretty good for how little he's gotten to pitch. I Mike Soroka, I think, threw 69 pitches in his season debut. So Lazardo, you know, basically took that turn, the Mike Soroka first turn. Uh yeah, he should be. He should be somebody you're you're getting in your lineup if if he is in the rotation for this next turn. It's no guarantee he goes five innings, but it's certainly within reach for him. And the stuff is clearly there, judging by that swinging strike total. You know, we've had some big injuries to starting pitchers to start the season. Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber. But I, I will say there's been no shortage of starting pitcher ads. Ross Stripling, Nate Pearson, Garrett Richards, Corbin Burns. Brady Singer, Tyler Chatwood, Christian Javier, Zach Plesac, Griffin Canning, Steven Matz. Uh, look, those guys are not Verlander and Kluber, I get it, but they could be serviceable here uh, in the meantime. And then even Adam Wainwright, Michael Waka, and John Lester, they have great matchups next week. Uh, Wainwright gets the Tigers, Waka gets the Marlins, and Lester gets the Royals, of course. I assume all of those things are pending, you know, based on the way that the MLB season has yeah. gone thus far. All right. We had a new segment that started yesterday, and I found out before before the show that Chris is not a huge fan of it. So naturally, we will uh, start this off, and we will go to Chris with our "Oh my goodness gracious" player of the night. Oh my good goodness gracious! <laughs> Who you got, Chris? Hate it. Um. <laughs> so I'm gonna go. All right. F- first, the Giants have a player named Chadwick Trump. <laughs> Uh, so, oh my goodness gracious, add that name. Uh, Sounds like a character oh from Game of Thrones. Night, and this is probably a pretty boring call because he's arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Such Holy crap, Jacob deGrom. <laughs> Can you hit the button for the oh my goodness? Oh my good goodness gracious. Are you guys aware that Jacob deGrom averaged 99 miles per hour with his fastball tonight? Yeah, I had, a Averaged. Me- I had a Mets fan uh, friend of mine texting me that he was consistently hitting 101 in the first inning of the yeah. yeah, Insane. I, like, what if he's better? <laughs> like, what if Jacob deGrom, like, his velocity has gone up. You know, I think this is probably like the third straight season that his velocity has gone up. He seems to just keep throwing harder every year. But last year he was at 97.9 miles per hour with his fastball or 96.9, excuse me, 98.2 in the opener, and then 98.9 tonight. I that Holy crap. <laughs> holy just, crap. Jacob deGrom is hashtag good against the Boston Red Sox yeah. at home in City Field. Six innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 88 pitches. His slider averaged 93.9 miles. Just take it away, Sue. Oh, my good gracious yeah Jacob DeGrom pretty good Scott who do you got now what's funny about that is compared to some of the other stat lines for pitchers tonight DeGrom's is pretty lame too four strikeouts and I six mean innings. come on Jacob come DeGrom on. didn't Jacob DeGrom didn't get to go against the Nationals or White Sox all right um, I mean the Red Sox lineup has been pretty awful too but still 
the point of this segment is uh, to, to highlight something good, right? Not bad. It can be. I think it could be either way because you could be like, oh my God, that guy stinks. Or, oh my God. Uh, okay. Let me great. Look at the notes here and see what we, what I know we're already going to talk about. I, I got one. I no, got no, one. I, on the I bad got one. Side. I got one here. I got one. I just want to make sure. Okay. I'm going to go with Frankie Montas because this, this got a, Not oh great. my goodness gracious from me twice over. So, Frankie Montas has been okay so far. Both of his starts have been fine. He went five innings today. Uh, I think gave up two earned runs. Not a lot of strikeouts, but whatever. No, no reason for alarm, right? What is the whole narrative with Frankie Montas? He added a splitter to his arsenal. It became his best swing and miss pitch. It made him a better strikeout pitcher, a good ground ball pitcher, and he just took off. What if I told you he's not doing that anymore? He threw a total of five splitters in his first start. He threw a total of nine in this one. It is his least used pitch so far. And it explains why he's not missing a lot of bats. I'm not sure he's going to be good if he keeps doing that. I'm not sure he's going to be more than fringy. He's gotten away with it so far, but we've seen what Frankie Montas without the splitter is. And it's, well, it's fringy, like I said. So, you know, I'm not dumping him yet, obviously. Maybe he starts throwing it again all of a sudden, but I'm, I am, uh, I'm worried. I'm worried about Frankie Montas. Yeah, I want to find an explanation for it because, you know, this is something that we went through back when we thought Kevin Gosman was good. And the key for him always seemed to be throwing the splitter more. And one issue that he always had was he just hadn't been able to develop the calluses on his hands in the spring that he needed to throw the splitter uh, as much as he wanted to. I have no idea if that's the case with Frankie Montas, but that's the one place my mind went. Um, but yeah, it's, it's bad that he's not throwing the splitter because the rest of his pitches, uh, even last year, they only really worked because of the splitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not ideal, uh, but it is a, a situation to monitor here early on in the season for Frankie Montas. Uh, someone that I'm going to highlight here is Brandon Woodruff, which I found yeah. really interesting in his, not just his stat line, but the underlying numbers, his pitch usage on Wednesday night, uh, six and a third, one hit, zero earned runs, zero walks, 10 strikeouts. Mind you, it comes against the Pittsburgh Pirates, 20 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. His fastball velocity, and he is someone who uses the fastball a lot, is actually up this season. He's been averaging 97 miles per hour on his fastball, and he threw 23 changeups Wednesday night. Eight of his 20 swinging strikes came on that changeup. Last year, he only used the changeup 14% of the time. There was only one start that he made where he threw more than 23 changeups last season. So he has a solid slider. He obviously uses the fastball a lot. That's his pitch. But I think if this changeup is a legitimate second or third pitch for him, mm-hmm. then Brandon Woodruff, I mean, could potentially be better than we all thought because he was a yeah. mid round starting pitcher. He was, you know, a top 25 guy. But yeah. This addition he, of a changeup could be huge for him. He basically dominated just with his fastball last year. His his secondary pitches were good enough to keep hitters off the fastball, but that's that's basically the only purpose they serve. If he has a good one now, and it's against the Pirates, so we don't know, but 20 swinging strikes is more than he had in any of his starts last year in a breakout season. So it's, uh, yeah, I'd be feeling good if if I had Brandon Woodruff on my roster right now. I would also feel good 
if I had Sonny Gray, who now in two starts has allowed four hits with 20 strikeouts in 12 and two-thirds innings. Just three walks as well. (laughs) Or if I had Lance Lynn, who in his two starts has allowed three hits total with 17 strikeouts in 12 innings. Both of them are doing what they did last year, unlike Frankie Montas there. Uh, You know, Lynn's emphasizing the cutter like he did last year. Gray maximizing that slider. Uh, you know, they neither one had the sort of track record that inspired much confidence as good as they were last year. They kind of fell to the third tier of starting pitcher picks, and they are looking like they are going to be, uh, you know, must-start, every-week type pitchers for you, Cy Young contenders, potentially. Yeah, let's just continue to run down the list of, you know, some of the aces that were on the mound today and just kind of give some general thoughts here quickly. Lucas Giolito, uh, much-needed bounce-back, Six innings, no uh, no runs allowed, two walks, six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 85 pitches. The fastball velocity was down about a half tick. Uh, 81 of his 85 pitches were just the fastball and changeup. So, you know, he had a serviceable slider last year. I wonder if that's by design, but I thought that this was a great bounce back performance for Lucas Giolito and one that we needed to see. Charlie Morton. I'm going to take the glass half full approach as the... <laughs> You know, Charlie Morton advocate, well, both Chris and I, all of us, I mean, we dubbed this the Charlie Morton podcast. This is the I, podcast. I mean, you guys, you guys, I think, were especially high on him. Like, yeah, probably. Wow. Right? Uh oh, Scott's wow, backtracking. Like a rat off a sinking ship. <laughs> wow. Charlie oh, Morton on, on Wednesday night against the Braves, two earned runs allowed over five innings, seven strikeouts, which is great, 13 swinging strikes on 80 pitches. I like that. miles per hour on the fastball velocity. Last year, he was at 94. Last week, in his first start, he was at 91.8. So he was up about a tick here, Chris. That's my glass half full. Seven strikeouts is good. He allowed a home run to Freddie Freeman. One of the best hitters in baseball. You can't really blame him for that. I thought, specifically for these two guys, Giolito and Morton, very solid bounce back games here. Yeah, I mean, Morton, I, I still have confidence that he can be good. Even if he's pitching at that level, obviously you'd rather uh, it's better to throw hard than to not throw hard. Um, The velocity did kind of leave him as the start went on, you know, early on in the start through the first couple innings, he was like more like 93 and a half, 94. Uh, And then as the start went on, you know, it started to dip. So that's a little bit concerning with Giolito. I was actually watching that game and once he got pulled from the game, you know, it was a good outing, tough matchup, Cleveland in it. Cleveland in Cleveland is a is actually a pretty tough matchup. Um, so they talked about how he only threw four sliders and curveballs, and that was by design. Last time he pitched in Cleveland, he had a very similar approach. It was all fastballs and changeups, and uh, he actually threw the changeup about two miles per hour slower uh, tonight than he did uh, on average last season. Again, another thing that was by design. He you know, has been, I guess, working on being able to manipulate that pitch a little better. And, um, you know, so what that tells me is that it's not, you know, sometimes when a pitcher just abandons a pitch like Frankie Montas, it's like, what's going on there? Has he lost the feel for the pitch? With uh, with Giolito in particular, it does sound like this was just part of the game plan against this specific opponent. And look, it worked. You can't argue with the results. So I, I don't I, have... Yeah, I'm not concerned about it. I don't have any concerns about Giolito. I mean, the changeup was more the key to his breakthrough. 
uh, and the fastball velocity last year. And, and both of them were fine. I mean, the changeup still got a ton of whiffs, just like it did in the first start. He's, he's fine. Like the, the drop in velocity for Morton is concerning. I don't think it's going to break him necessarily, like you were saying, Chris, because the key to his breakthrough with the Astros was as much pitch selection as anything else. And, yeah. you know, he's, his curveball still getting the whiffs. And that was not a pitcher he featured early in his career like he does now. Uh, there might be enough velocity there on the fastball for him to still be a steady, reliable, at times excellent starter for you. I am lowering him some. Two starts in, velocities down by a few miles per hour. It's, it's you know, it, it, it adds an element of the unknown that I'd rather not deal with for a pitcher sure. in that class. So, I'd, you know, I'd rather have Sonny Gray than him at this point. I'm not sure I'd move Morton all the way down behind Lance Lynn yet. We'll see. It is encouraging that his velocity went up a little. It's possible he just isn't built up enough yet to throw maximum velocity. Um, but it wasn't it. It was more encouraging than not. Morton's start today. Yeah. As, One other note. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. No, uh, this is on a different pitcher. So we'll. If you had something to add on Morton, I was just going to say, as you know, the Morton truther. I agree with Scott that it's two starts in. I would rather have Sonny Gray than Charlie Morton, just based on what I've seen. Yeah, but that's also. I think as much about Sonny Gray just looking absolutely brilliant so far. And, yeah. you know, the the improvements that he made last season looking real, uh, you know, I think he learned a lot from the time with the Yankees and has become a better pitcher because of it. And, you know, the, the Reds did bring in Kyle Boddy from driveline baseball to – I think he's like the pitching coordinator for the organization as a whole. Um, and, you know, it might just be that they're just – they figured out how to get the most out of him. Uh, but Sonny Gray was also really, 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 really good last year uh, in a way that, I mean, seemingly outside of this podcast wasn't really appreciated uh, as much as it probably should have been, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, um, lots of people like Sonny Gray. He was like the 20th pitcher in ADP or whatever, but like, you know, he, he was better than his draft position. What did you want to add, Chris? Did you want to add something on Sonny Gray, or was it? Brandon Woodruff. Um, So he did throw his changeup a lot tonight. I do wonder if that might have been matchup dependent because the Pirates had a ton of left-handed hitters in the lineup, and he only threw two changeups to righties tonight. One thing I will say, however, was he did use his slider as often as he used his forcing fastball against righties. And so... If this is a situation where Brandon Woodruff is more willing to use those two secondary pitches, then it doesn't really matter for me whether it's, okay, he's going to throw the changeup a lot more every start. It's more, my thing with him is it's really hard to succeed being as fastball heavy as he was last year. He was like 65% fastballs. Um, You know, you don't see a lot of pitchers in that range these days. And so if he's more willing to trust the changeup against lefties and the slider against righties, it does make him a lot more interesting, I think. Yeah, it's not impossible. I mean, Lance Lynn kind of defies the odds, but he's like the poster yeah. child for fastball usage. Uh, but again, if the changeup is working and the slider as well, uh, then Woodruff might be better than any of us thought heading into the season. I will note that the one start last year that he threw more than 23 changeups was also against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that might be a matchup-dependent uh, thing as well. Some news and notes. Mike Moustakis and Nick Senzel returned on Wednesday night. 
which means Tyler Stevenson, the catcher prospect we spoke about earlier in the week, was optioned back to their alternate site. Uh, And whole squad ready. Wow, Cincinnati Reds. Everyone back on the field. We had a Castellanos grand slam. Moustakis homered. Senzel homered. When everyone is healthy, I mean, the Reds are going to be one of the worst matchups for starting pitchers. They completely bombed Kyle Hendricks, who had a great first start against the Milwaukee Brewers. Stewart complete game in his first start and then came back here and got rocked. Nationals manager Davey Martinez said Wednesday that the team is hoping that Juan Soto will be back on Saturday, which doesn't really make sense because they're not playing this weekend, uh, but that means you could have him back for next week in your fantasy what lineups. Kind of a disaster. Yeah, what, apparently like, he actually tested po- tested negative a bunch of times, multiple times early right. in the week. Within it was unclear whether it was within MLB's protocol. Apparently he has been cleared by MLB for more than a day now, and he's waiting for the Washington D.C. clearance. Yeah, and it's... so we could have had Juan Soto back this week, right? And instead he misses the first two uh, weeks of the season. Yes. Which is- I mean, it, it could have been worse. We're still waiting for the Washington, D.C. clearance. Yes. By the way, aren't we? Yes, as of now. Oh, recording this <laughs> Wednesday night, so let's see what happens. jerks uh, about that. <laughs> cross your fingers. Hopefully, we yeah. can get them in for the next scoring period. Uh, Rangers manager Chris Woodward expressed concern about how Willie Calhoun has responded to the fractured jaw he suffered back in spring training. Uh, remember, he got hit in the face by Julio Arias, a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. He had this to say, I trust Willie. He has no fear, but I want to make sure he's okay. It's traumatic to get hit in the face, so I'm obviously keeping that in mind. I want to get him going. I want to make sure he's a big part of our offense, but also don't want to put him in a vulnerable position where it creates an issue. He is, I believe, 0 for 10 to start the season, and he did not have a great uh, summer camp by all accounts, everything that I've read. Uh, We've had some questions. I mean, Scott, would you consider dropping Willie Calhoun, let's say for Aaron Hicks, who homered on Wednesday and is still available in over 50% of CBS Sports Leagues? No. I mean, it's not like Hicks is off to a blistering start here. Glad he homered. I'm glad he's playing. Uh, I would still trust in the upside of Willie Calhoun over that, though, especially since I don't think Hicks is looking like a hot ticket right now. I'm trying to think of who is hitter-wise, and I feel like the pitchers have gotten most of the traction so far. We mentioned there. Cespedes yesterday. He homered again on Wednesday night yeah, against the Red Sox. His, his numbers are still bad other yeah, than those two home three runs. Times yeah, today. Um, I mean, Trent Grisham, Swanson, I guess. Trent Grisham's been really good so far. He's hitting yeah. 300 with an OPS over 1,000, had a home run today, two more hits. Would in you game in progress. Would you drop Willie Calhoun for Trent Grisham, Chris? Ah, uh, man, Trent Grisham was really productive in the minors last year. He was one of the few players, I think, I think it was to have 25 homers and 15 steals in the minors last season. So he's hitting at the top of a good lineup. I, I think I would consider it at least. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to remember that anybody whose stat line looks good just – Sure. What kind of sample we're talking about? Trent Grisham has six hits this year. Six is a lot for, for what, five games, six games? He just homered in Oracle, which is no easy feat to accomplish. Yeah, but that's like, you know, look yeah. at Freddie Freeman's stat line yesterday when he struck out four times versus today when he had four hits. He was hitting homer. two, Trent Grisham was hitting 235 before today. Right, right. So, you know, the if it, if, if it was just Willie Calhoun, 
didn't get hit in the face. His manager's not talking about it, and he's off to this kind of start. I would not think anything of yeah. it at all, and I'd stick with Willie Calhoun. But it does raise a little bit of alarm. Um, you know, I, 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 I think I'd just stick with Calhoun. I'm not ready to give up on that. How about even for Will Myers, Scott? He's Will Myers is 47 percent owned, which seems too low. Yeah, it does seem too low. And he's off to a good start. He's walked a ton. I um I don't I don't struck out a ton too. Yeah, I, I know who Will Myers is. And what Will Myers is is basically valuable in five by five leagues where you can start more than three outfielders. And, you know, he's, he's definitely interesting there as a guy who contributes some power and speed. But, you know, the, the, the full package still isn't studly enough that you're starting him in every fantasy league. And I think Willie Calhoun's case, it is. So I can understand starting Will Myers over Willie Calhoun right now until we see signs of uh, Calhoun getting back on track. But uh, it's, it's difficult in this season it being about a third of the length of the average season because you – there's a feeling like you can't stick with slow starters as long as usual. I think maybe there's some truth to that, but I don't want to like, it's still the past week's stats are generally not predictive of the upcoming week's stats. Uh, yeah. They're, I mean, really they're not when you yeah. separate them from what an actual player's actual skill set, like they tell you basically nothing like, right. The hot hand doesn't really exist. So I kind of think it does in a DFS sense, but from week to week, the fantasy sense. Just right, well, that's, a, that's a different It's thing. a different <laughs> conversation, but there's been a lot of research that suggests that if it does exist, it's very, very, only very slightly predictable. Yeah. Um, I would say it's predictable when you're facing the uh, Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. As, as somebody yeah. who puts together, you know, pick sleeper hitters for every week, I've had much more success at that looking at the matchups for the upcoming week than looking at what the player's been doing recently. That's just not a good way to go about it. And that process shouldn't change no matter how short the season is. Really what should concern you is if there appear to be underlying skill changes. And I don't think there's much of anything right now that could suggest that for a hitter. Well, Scott, we got a segment coming up. (laughs) Okay. That might disagree. Yeah. Some foreshadowing there from Chris. Uh, last couple of news items. From, this is from Andrew Baggerly, who covers the Giants for The Athletic. He writes that it is hard to imagine Joey Bart will endure too much of a wait in the alternate training site for the San Francisco Giants before being promoted to the majors. So keep that in mind in two catcher leagues, maybe even one catcher leagues. Just remember that. Giants manager Gabe Kapler, love that guy, said Wednesday that he expects Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria to be activated Thursday. Uh, we have our first reverse opt-out. Nick Markakis announced Wednesday that he is joining the Braves. I would guess that ends Matt Adams, who has been DHing quite consistently for the Braves. I don't really think it will affect anybody else all too much, Scott. Markakis coming back? Yeah, I haven't thought about Adams. I'm, you know, I don't expect Markakis to have a huge role. He might start a couple times a week, but I'm not... I, this doesn't seem like a game changer in fantasy. Just kind of interesting because I didn't even know players could opt back in. I believe the rule was you can't. So I don't know what's going on there. Like, I'm pretty sure that was the rule that you could not come back once you opted out. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that we've seen yeah, MLB kind of change their rules midseason so far. <laughs> and I doubt it will be the last 
as well. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, who was dealing with a concussion, will make his season debut on Saturday against the Red Sox, which is terrible because in three starts against the Sox last season, he allowed 22 earned runs in eight innings pitched. That's uh, not great. I mean, if you, if you believe in the hot hand, the Red Sox stink right now. <laughs> uh, I will, I'll fire up the Red Sox against Tanaka on Saturday. The Indians placed Roberto Perez on the 10-day injured list with a sore right shoulder. Bo Taylor was in the lineup Wednesday. Does not matter for fantasy. Uh, and Major League Baseball has suspended Joe Kelly eight games in a 60-game season for his action during Tuesday game, uh, Tuesday's game against the Houston Astros, where, of course, uh, he threw up around... It was Alex Bregman's head, right? And then he was mm-hmm. barking at Carlos Correa and the bench is cleared or whatever. Barking right. is... I don't know what he was doing. He was making faces. He was, like, he, was, what? he was demonstrating some very childish behavior, I thought. I, I, wonder, I wonder how much of the suspension was the seemingly intentional beaning and how much was his antics afterward. He's also been suspended at least once and I think twice for throwing at guys before. So okay, I think it was so a, there's a history, too. a perfect combination of Joe Kelly kind of <laughs> being a, you know, a little bit of a, a yeah, you know, like you said, childish. a tool, a tool, yeah. a clown, a bit of a bit of a track record there. Yeah. So. I'm going to add him to the list of, of clowns in the MLB along with Trevor Bauer, of course. Um, all right, guys, we'll take a quick break here quickly promote that you should be signed up for our newsletters, cbssports.com slash newsletters. Uh, you can sign up for the fantasy baseball one, the fantasy football one, and all of our articles get delivered right to your inbox every single day. So, I mean, why wouldn't you do it? It's free and it's easy to use. Um, and make sure to s- subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today we have just crossed 1100 subscribers so thank you all who have subscribed already and let's continue to make that number climb next milestone we got 1500 2000 let's go for 5000 let's continue to grow fantasy baseball today take a quick break here when we come back we're going to look at some early season hitter trends do they matter Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Some early season hitter trends. You know, it's interesting. You don't want to read too much into the bad ball data. We're not even a week into the season. But, you know, there are some things that we have takeaways from. And specifically, that Chris has takeaways because he wrote an article on CBSSports.com. Make sure to go check that out. Uh, Chris, the ones that really stood out to me were that Trey Turner is not running yet. And, you know, people have been tweeting at me like, what's going on? Trey Turner's not running. Uh, you know, Adalberto Mondesi does not have a stolen base yet either. Uh, Corey Seager is awesome. Excited about that. Luis Robert just real good. is no joke. 
Um, and then one that you didn't have in there, but I noticed today, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a 68% ground ball rate to start the season, and that was something that I wanted to monitor early in the season. So you know, which one of these four hitter trends is most notable for you a week into the season? I mean, I'm getting some real Fernando Tatis rookie season vibes from Luis Robert that just like, yes, the plate discipline is awful, but he's just going to be awesome anyway. Um, but I think what Corey Seager is doing so far is uh, among the more, I think he's been among the more impressive hitters in baseball. He only went one for five today, although he did hit his first home run uh, of the season on Wednesday night. So, you know, hard to actually complain about that, but he has arguably been one of the most unlucky hitters in baseball, which is a lot to say for a guy with a 320 average and 913 OPS. But uh, before today's game, he had like a 500 expected batting average. Obviously, we're dealing with very small sample sizes. <laughs> it has tumbled all the way to 492. Uh, he has he had a 68% hard hit rate coming into the season or in, into this game. He hit, I believe, two more batted balls at 105 miles per hour. Corey Seager is hitting the crap out of the ball. You know, this was something that we we talked about was a was a possibility with him. He's been really good whenever he's been healthy. And, you know, it turns out when you're not coming back from hip and elbow surgery in the same offseason, hitting's a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, still hitting the ball on the ground too much. Um, but it, you really got to nitpick to <laughs> find something wrong with what Corey Seager is doing right now. And it's hard to fake this kind of batted ball production you know you can fake results but when you're hitting you know two batted balls over 105 miles per hour like he did today and you're averaging like 96 miles per hour you're doing a lot of things right yeah i know entering wednesday night's action he led all of baseball with 13 batted balls of 95 plus mile per hour uh, exit velocity and then he added obviously two more on Wednesday night. So yeah, Corey Seager is locked in. Uh, Scott, outside of Corey Seager, I mean, anything you want to highlight here? Luis Robert has at least one hit in each of his first six games. He stole a base tonight, uh, 11 strikeouts, just one walk, which you don't like to see that. Uh, and then of, of course, Vlad Guerrero hitting the ball on the ground again. Yeah. yeah. The, the Guerrero thing probably means the most to me because his, his breakthrough uh, was contingent on that improving. And there's no evidence that it's going to yet. Maybe it still could, but you know, it, it, at least at this point, I, I feel like we'd see him elevating some if it was going to change. So, you know, I'm not hopeful for a Vladimir Guerrero breakthrough coming this year at this point. Uh, one you didn't mention that Chris has brought up a few times. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's true that the Eric Hosmer, yeah, what he's doing on his batted balls, elevating them with great consistency. After that was a stated goal of his coming in. He said he needed to stop hitting so many ground balls. And has he hit a single ground ball yet? He has yet to hit a ground ball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's out of the lineup again today for a stomach bug that for some reason only bothers him every other day. <laughs> Somebody get but, this guy Pepto-Bismol or something. Like, yeah, on, when he's dude. in the lineup, he's been crushing it. So yeah, he's uh, hitting the ball extremely hard, elevating. And it's interesting, you know, if you look at 2019 Eric Cosmer versus 2020 Eric Cosmer. Like his stance is a little bit different. Uh, he seems to be holding his hands a little bit higher this year. He takes a like 
literally like maybe three inches less of a leg kick. He's got that really high leg kick, but now it's like just this much lower. But, you know, one thing he's talked about and one thing Christian Yelich talked about with his swing change was, or profile change really, because in both cases, it wasn't a swing change. What Christian Yelich has talked about, what Hosmer has talked about was it's about hitting the ball earlier. It's about getting to getting to the ball earlier when it's a fastball and meeting it out in front when your swing is already on the incline, meeting it on that path. Mm. And so it seems like the changes he have made, he's made have mostly just been, you know, getting on the ball quicker, getting into the swing quicker. And I mean, this, the thing about like, there's a reason this dude was starting in the world baseball classic over Paul Goldschmidt. He didn't deserve it based on how good they actually were as players. But in terms of talent, there's never been a question that Eric Hosmer is an unbelievably talented player. He just wasn't putting uh, his tools to the best use. And now he seems to be. Yeah, look, he's not the first player. He won't be the last. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, you know, with Wilson Ramos and some other hitters, uh, you know, over the past couple of months, the past couple of years for you guys as well. So, uh, yeah, look, he's not... He's not the first, he's not the last, but uh, definitely encouraging for uh, Eric Hosmer thus far. And the lineup for the Padres looks pretty good. I mean, Grisham's playing well. Tatis, um, for the most part, has done well. And Manny Machado, best player of all time, obviously, hit a home run last night. Yeah. So <laughs> Only one of us picked the, the Padres to make the playoffs back when we thought only 10 teams were making the playoffs. I guess now we'd all pick the Padres to make the playoffs since 16 teams are, huh? Let's go Padres. Yeah. Um, all yeah. right, guys. One more real quick. All right, Chris. Tyler O'Neill, the thing we've always said was if he just made contact, he could be a star. He has struck out once in 17 plate appearances so far. That is, he has never had a stretch like that in the majors. Um, it's early, but huge raw power, stolen base potential. Keep an eye on Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, he is a... Great athlete, and that is putting it lightly. Super jacked. Super jacked. He went 0 for 3 Wednesday night, but put the ball in play in all three of his at-bats. Um, did not strike out. He's batting fifth, so he's moving up the lineup here for the St. Louis Cardinals. Speaking of that game, Scott, Rich Hill made his season debut. Uh, not typical Rich Hill. Five shutout innings, but only two strikeouts, only three swinging strikes. Pleasantly surprised by his first start? I mean, fine with his first start. I encouraged that he was able to go five innings. He averaged like 88 on his fastball. He averaged like 89 last year, so I don't think that's cause for concern. I'd like to see a few more swinging strikes than that, but it's not like swinging strikes was responsible for his success. It's not like he has a great swinging strike rate year over year, so that's... I think he's basically Rich Hill, and that's a good thing. And uh, it looks like he's healthy. So I'm treating him probably like a must-start as much as I can help it, getting him in my lineup as often as possible going forward because I still think he has that top-10 potential over a nine-week season. Chris, I know someone you wanted to highlight was Daniel Ponce de Leon on the other side in this game. Three and two-thirds, three earned, three walks against the Twins, but eight strikeouts with... 11 swinging strikes in his 85 pitches. Where does he kind of fit in with some of the names that we started off talking about at the top of the show with the Christian Javier's? I would imagine he's behind that group. 
Yeah, yeah. I would say even, you know, we were comparing Nathan Avaldi. I, I would say he's still behind him as well. But, you know, Ponce Leon has, you know, pitched in parts of two seasons. He's got like a 3 2 ERA and a 1-2 whip and a strikeout per inning. Uh, really good minor league numbers. Triple A, he was dominant, you know, well over a strikeout per inning. I think a low 2 ERA. So just someone to keep an eye on. What he's done really well throughout his uh major league career so far has been limiting hard contact and you know you combine that with what has been an above average strikeout rate and I think he's certainly more interesting than he gets credit for being in fantasy obviously he'll need to be more efficient than he has been uh, especially with the walks also in that game since I don't think it's in the notes Frank just want to point out Sergio Romo pitched a scoreless seventh inning for the Twins and Taylor Rogers did come in, make his made a season debut, two strikeouts and a perfect ninth for his first save. So, you know, I don't think the concern there was ever that Romo was overtaking Rogers. It's just a question of how much, how many saves he's going to steal from Rogers for matchups reasons. And we still don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure Rogers owners are feeling encouraged by what happened today. Yeah, and we mentioned this last night, Scott. You know, I guess occasionally I'll get one thing right here on the show. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, Sergio Romo was already warming up in the eighth inning yesterday, and then the Cardinals scored another run, which made it a save opportunity. So um, Rocco Baldelli just chose to go with Sergio Romo because he was already warming up in the pen. So yeah, that's what happened that, That's yesterday. our theory anyway, right? Like, no, I saw confirmation. confirmation I saw confirmation on that today. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, good so Taylor Rogers, I would imagine, is still the... Closer for the Minnesota Twins. Josh Hader picked up his first save of the season in a clean inning. Joe Jimenez mentioned this at the top. Four saves uh, in the Tigers. Four wins so far this season. Uh, Brandon Workman basically imploded, but he rebounded. Pitched an inning. Two hits. Two walks. An earned run. Two strikeouts. Barely escaped with the save, with the save here, Scott. Uh, in the 6-5 to five win against the New York Mets. Uh, Matt Barnes pitched the inning before, but also allowed a run. I just don't think that there are many names in the Red Sox bullpen, so I think that we're going to have a pretty long leash here with Brandon Workman. Yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to go for him. He had a historic, historically low batting average against last year, which you could, you could say, oh, he must have pitched well, but at the same time, there's a very good chance that many he was, had some luck, too. Uh, and he walks a lot of guys. So two hits, two walks in this inning, and it didn't go well for him. But like you said, I think he has quite a long leash. Uh, Jose Leclerc was held out with shoulder tightness earlier in the day. Uh, Nick Goody picked up the save for the Texas Rangers, a clean inning with a strikeout. Uh, Go- Goody doesn't not throw particularly hard. Career 384 ERA, 129 whip. Uh, this is a situation to monitor. But, you know, Scott, if you have waivers running over the next couple of days, and you own Leclerc, would you make it a priority to get Nick Goody on your team? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him up over, like, Nick Birdie, who appears to be the Pirates' closer, or Anthony Bass. Uh, Goody was really good in 2017. He had one great year, but he's been kind of shaky since then. You, you mentioned the career line. And we don't know the extent of this injury for Leclerc, who I think has thrown more balls than strikes so far this year. <laughs> in the couple appearances he's made. Sounds about right. Uh, so, you know, he's shaky anyway. I, uh, yeah, I don't know how this is going to play out. Obviously, Goody looks like he's the front runner here. They also have Rafael Montero, who's currently on the IL, but he should be back in the mix at some point. 
and uh, and and we'll see. But Goody, I don't know. Among interesting saves targets, he's he's pretty far down for me. Uh, one of you guys, one of you guys joined the uh, the call here earlier, and you said that Brad ha- Brad Hand is done. Was it you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying that for public consumption, but yeah, his fastball <laughs> velocity uh, was down yet again today. We hadn't really talked about it in his first two outings because he did have four strikeouts, but. Yeah, his fastball velocity looks like it's about two miles per hour down for the season. Uh, He got one swinging strike on 22 pitches today, averaged 91 with his fastball. Um, It's a concern for sure, especially with the elbow issues that he had last season. I don't know if he's, you know, kind of intentionally dialing it back or if he just doesn't have it, but it's, uh, it's alarming to see early on. James Karinchak, remember the name. The guy is absolutely filthy. The last items that I just want to hit from the bullpen, uh, Daniel Hudson, an inning in, uh, 1.2 innings pitch, zeros across the board with three strikeouts. We have expressed some concern over Sean Doolittle the past couple of days, and Hudson has looked very good so far. Uh, Ian Kennedy once again pitched in the seventh inning in a tie game, and he allowed the go-ahead, I believe it was a home run, so... Your guess is as good as mine. The Rays and the Royals. Oh, the Rays, by the way. Uh, Oliver Drake pitched in the, oh, yeah. what was it, the sixth or the seventh inning in a... Sixth. Yeah. I ended mean, up taking the loss. He didn't pitch well. And incidentally, uh, Jose Alvarado followed him and also didn't pitch well. They both gave up a run on a couple hits. Uh, they're the only two... Pi- I think before prior to that, Alvarado had only worked in the ninth inning, but never in a save situation. And of course, Oliver... Drake worked the ninth inning a couple times to get those two saves, but it's still, it's still totally a committee situation there. I, I think, I think Oliver Drake and Jose Alvarado are probably the front runners for saves still, regardless of where they worked today. But of co- of course, Nick Anderson is still very much in the mix and Diego Castillo is there too. So we'll, we'll continue to uh, pull our hair out over that situation. I'm sure. DTA, don't trust anybody when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com will answer some of your questions here. This one's from Stuart. 12-team Roto League with quality starts instead of wins and saves plus holds. I have a stacked pitching staff thanks to some of my keepers. I traded Hyunjin Ryu and Shohei Otani for Sonny Gray. Looks pretty good right now. Grade the trade, fellas. I'm kind of treating Otani... Like he's worthless. I mean, he's not. He's technically not worthless, but yeah. in terms of trade making, in terms of trade value in a twelve-team league, he might as well be because I just don't have any expectations for him at this point, except maybe as like a, a passable DH option. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a good trade because Ryu to Sunny Gray is an upgrade. I'll give it a uh, a minus. Yeah, the fact that it's a keeper like does change that calculus a little bit because I would guess the next X number of years, Shohei Otani will eventually be better than Sonny Gray, but it, just focusing on 2019, I think that's a coup. Yeah, I think that's an A. Yeah, 2019. We're uh, taking, we're going back in time here. 2020. 2020. <laughs> this one's from Look, Omar. Man, it's been a weird year. It's, it's been a weird, oh, weird is not the word, Chris. Uh, from Omar, <laughs> hey, Tommy, Arthur, John, and Polly. 
Bing, Bing probably be a giveaway. Uh, these are Peaky Blinders. Have any of you watched that show? I have not watched that. Show, I've heard no. good things, but There's, I haven't. I haven't I got get around. Confused with another show. There's another one with like a Peaky something or other, right? Uh, I, look, if there is, I don't know about it. Peaky so Blinders is Twin Peaks. I don't know. Oh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's one, another nah, one. That there's another about. one. Okay. Who do you Who do you think is a better stash? Who would you rather have if both are called up between Nick Madrigal and Dylan Carlson, six by six roto with OBP and batting average? Scott, I would rather have Dylan Carlson because I don't. He, I, I, I'm not ready to put a limit on his upside. I, I need to see some of it first. And I, I think he's capable of contributing in enough ways that it just might be really, really high. Nick Madrigal, you know, he's not going to hit for power. So probably a better steel source than Carlson if you need that specifically. And obviously there's a position difference there, but I'd rather have Carlson nine times out of 10. This next was from Jack. Hey fam, Lestella, Malone and Edmund. Yeah, I get that one. Yep. <laughs> Tommy's. I am um, in a 10-team head-to-head, 6 by 6 categories league with quality starts and OPS. I've been offered Tommy Pham and Matt Boyd. I'd be giving up Victor Robles, Zach Gallen, and Corbin Burns. Don't love that one. No, what do you think, guys? I like Pham more than Robles, and I like... I, I guess Pham... Yeah, I like Pham more than Robles, but I like Gallen more than Boyd, and I think the, diff, the gap between Gallen and Boyd is bigger. Especially because Robles is actually on on to a pretty good start, and Fam's got the four strikeouts. He's been rough otherwise. Uh, the four yeah. stolen bases. Four stolen bases. Four stolen bases. What did I say? Strikeouts. Four strikeouts. Man, that's <laughs> it's a little late here on the <laughs> East Coast. Like, like I'm not I'm not like you guys. You guys are all hopped up on caffeine. I'm trying to go to bed after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Scott. Do you agree? Which I would you rather have. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's an OPS as an added category, I think, tips it a little more fam's direction, but I, it's mostly I like Gallon that much more than Boyd. Um, yeah, I mean, Robles and fam are kind of a watch. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have the Robles, Gallon, and Corbin Burnside. All right, guys, that'll do it for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.